Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. In this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast, it's a shorter episode in which I chat to Doug Morris, the CEO of ShareSite. ShareSite is a Kiwi-born business that is the leader at providing performance reporting and tax reporting for individual investors. Whether you're investing in ETFs, managed funds, ASX or global shares, or even unlisted assets like property or cryptocurrencies, for example, can be tracked in the ShareSite account and you can get like a 360 degree view of your net worth. It's a really cool tool that um, I've been using on and off for many years, and I know many of the RAS community are too. In this discussion, we talk about what individual investors are actually doing with their portfolios. So we all hear about the news from you know the press, which says things like, oh yeah, active fund managers underperformed index funds, or there's a SPIVA data for this, or active versus passive here and here. But what are people actually doing in their portfolios? What do they hold? What does that look like? ShareSite has the unique position of, at scale, visualizing all of that data and bringing it in for us. Uh, They've also created a unique link for us in the show notes if you're listening and you want to join ShareSite. We receive nothing for this at Rask. It's just a link that you can click on and get started with either a free or a paid account. It's just ShareSite.com slash Rask. That's ShareSite.com slash Rask. You can check that out. Uh, It's all available in your podcast player. Without further ado, here's Doug Morris, the CEO of ShareSite. Hey, Doug, welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Today, we're going to talk about uh, ShareSite writ large, but we're also going to talk about um, what we saw in investor portfolios um, throughout FY23. So what were the, the patterns that evolved in the market from your side at ShareSite, like what you can see actually going into people's portfolios? I think a lot of the the commentary that we talk about as an industry is like we get third-party data from like managed funds and from the professional side, but you guys have that unique take on things because you are the largest like portfolio tracking software that I know of, at least independently portfolio tracking software uh, in the country, not just here in Australia, but uh, in New Zealand as well. So we kind of get a snapshot of what actual investors are doing with their money and how they're investing. So we'll cover that uh, and a bit more in this conversation. But just to set the scene, um, 
Tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with ShareSite, how you came to be the CEO, all those types of fun things, just to set the scene for the rest of the chat. Sure. I, I haven't been asked that in a while. Actually, I'm about to, to dust off the uh, <laughs> the bio. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so I've actually been with ShareSite for 10 years. I, mm. um, I used to be with Morningstar, the... Uh, well-known investment research company. And as you can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm from the States. So I was with Morningstar in Chicago. They sent me down here a um, long time ago to help develop the business in Australasia. And then um, from there, I was sort of um, interested in, in kind of moving out of that in, into the tech space. So I, uh, I uh, found ShareSite. And yeah, like I said, been there for, for 10 years. And we've slowly but steadily grown the business from a team of just a handful of people, in, including the founders, to, um, to, to, to almost 50 now. So it's been a, it's been a fun mm -hmm. ride. And uh, we're, our team is split between uh, Sydney, where I am, and over in Wellington, where we, uh, where we came from originally. So we're just chatting off air. Um, over 350,000 investors, I think you said, um, now use the the software to track their portfolios. Can you give us, for those investors who are left that aren't using ShareSite, can you give us a sense of what the platform does, how it works, and I guess for anyone that has never done this, like the problems that it solves? Sure, yeah. It's kind of one of those things where you sort of explain it to somebody who maybe uh, knows a bit about investing or, or has a casual interest, and they're kind of like, huh. I can't believe that doesn't exist. And frankly, that's a question that we sort of keep asking ourselves. Essentially, what ShareSite does is it allows you to track the performance of your investments. And we bring in data from the online brokers, from the offline world as well. We then standardize it all. We allow the investor to get one concise view of how they're performing. And that includes the capital gains or losses. That includes dividends. That includes um, uh, corporate actions like those kind of complex reconstructions, um, splits and, and whatnot. And then we do performance reporting, we do asset allocation reporting, and we we connect in um, uh, to zero uh, as well because we actually have a suite of tax reports as well. So we kind of um, deliver uh, predominantly a performance and tax reporting solution. And, and we're totally independent. So we don't have an FSL, you know, we don't tell people what to buy, we don't offer our own investments, we, we don't you know, recommend even an asset mix per se. Uh, it's simply um, uh, a mirror of how you've gone as an investor um, with a view to, you know, just kind of filling a, a pretty specific need in the market. Mm. So the ability to like, have kind of like a bit of a self-reflection on your portfolio to, to look back at, at the decisions that you've made and go, well, actually I was down or I was up X, Y, and Z. And this thing was the thing that led to that performance. Yeah. You know, yeah. Good and a lot bad. of that's just astray by, um, you know, just Googling the share price of something. I mean, I, I still do that. We all do that. Mm. Or what we get from most of the brokers out there, which is a simple P and L return. You know, if you bought a, if you bought a stock for five bucks and now it's, you know, 30, it'll just show you the percentage difference between five and 30, regardless of money in, money out, regardless of dividends and regardless of the time frame, uh, importantly as well. So yeah, we, we, we sort of um, bring a very real accounting-based picture of how you've actually traveled as an investor. Mm. So you mentioned something there that I've forgotten about, which is the integration with zero. Can you talk through that and just how that would work? Yeah, so it's really terrific. And, and you don't need to be an accountant to, to make it um, really work for you. So. What ShareSite does is uh, there's a setup process by which you just connect into Zero. We're one of their um, add-on apps um, in their ecosystem. 
And we send in all the buy and sell trades. We also send in all the dividends and a few other bits and pieces right into the Zero account. So for our professional um, user base, we, we, shell, we sell a product called uh, ShareSite Pro. Um, they love that because it just basically takes the client investment information and puts it straight into the client's, um, you know, basically uh, accounting file in Zero. Um, hmm. But if you're not an accountant, what we can also do is you can uh, share access um, to your portfolio with your accountant, and then they can, um, on your behalf, um, connect uh, their zero account into your portfolio, which is mm. frankly uh, the the most popular use case, and it's something that I do um, as well with, with with my accountant. I like to you know maintain my own share side account. <laughs> surprise, surprise! <laughs> but I just give um, read write access to my accountant, and they then connect it into zero. That's pretty cool because my accountant does use zero for our business, but also does my personal tax returns and uses zero to do that. Um, so that this is a cool feature, which I don't think she's aware of. So I will be sharing this with her rather than me yeah. printing out the statements or sending her the PDFs and whatever. Um, this makes it's, a lot more sense. It's funny too, because it should save you a bit of money on, on at least admin and bookkeeping. It should reduce the hours needed. And I, I kind of have this <laughs> annual discussion, shall we say, with my accountant where it's like, they're like, oh, yeah, can you just, um, you know, export this and that for me and, and send me this? So, you know, I do that because it's easy to do in ShareSite to just export it into Excel or PDF. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I always remind them, like, you know, the data is going in every day into into your, <laughs> into your my <laughs> to my account under your Zero uh, umbrella account. So we, we don't really even need to be having this conversation. So anyway, <laughs> but it, uh, you know, it works. Bit of a learning <laughs> curve, but yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. So uh, my co-host, uh, on the other podcast, Kate, she um, has this cool setup um, that she always talks about on the show, which is like the broker notes that people get. So they buy BHP and then like a few hours later, they receive your trade has been executed by XYZ broker and it's got like a contract note or something like we've bought, sold this, whatever. Um, but you can actually, because everyone, as far as I know, Doug gets their own unique share site address effectively. It can like auto forward. Is that correct? So then yeah. share site can reconcile yeah. either through the broker integration or through the email. That's right. Yeah. So there's a number of ways to get data in and it's kind of half the battle. I mean, the reason ShareSite exists is because this data is all over the place. It's in different formats. It's unstructured. It's kind of a bookkeeping mess. Um, so what we like to do is when you connect into uh, your broker from ShareSite, you can bring in your historical trading activity. And then uh, to capture the ongoing trades, we have a contract note service, which is just as you uh, described, every portfolio gets a unique email address. And <clears throat> in your broker um, uh, settings, you can, there's a number of email fields you can use. So if you want to send one you know, to your accountant or to your, uh, to your partner or what have you, you add in the share site address into there and we'll process the um, information from the contract note PDF and it takes about 90 seconds. And so what this means in practice is that if you act on that broker note and you make a trade about a minute and a half later, well, after settlement, of course, that mm -hmm. will then be automatically reflected in ShareSite with the contract note attached. Um, and then if you're using our zero connection, that information will be pushed into zero in real time as well. So you kind of have an execution and administration and then the tax components all done automatically, um, which yeah. really starts to pay for itself as you build up more history. Yeah, super cool. Because the admin of investing is a nightmare for most people. So it really is. Most it, people, it really yeah. is. It, it puts a lot of people off. Yeah. So like most people that see a financial advisor would know that um, they have platforms and whatever to handle um, certain things. But many of them also, as you would know, Doug, use 
the Comsex and use the traditional brokerage accounts too. So they need this type of tool as well. But um, right. anyone, whether they're ETF investors right up to, you know, ra- managing portfolios need to track performance because it's so important over the long term. Um, yeah. There was one. Sorry, you go. So, apologies there. Uh, yeah, it, it is very important. I mean, if you have, if you live your entire life with one investment provider, being an advisor who is using a platform or one broker, um, the moment you sort of stray away from that and have, you know, a new account, a new portfolio, a different source of data, that's when all the performance information that you've historically received basically becomes invalidated because there's no way to combine that data set with a new data set, if you will. So we do a pretty good job at, at bringing that together on standardized terms. Mm. There's one extra thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, just some, before we get to the stocks and the ETFs, which is um, un- unlisted funds and or just listed managed funds. Like a lot of our community, in fact, probably the overwhelming majority um, love to invest in both like the ETF side, so on exchange, but also off exchange. Like we look for active fund managers. We look for all things in between, property funds, whatever. How can that be managed with share side, if at all? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it remains a very important um, thing for investors. I mean, you know, you've read about how, you know, ETFs have kind of taken over the the new money flows of, of managed um, investments. Mm. But that's not to say there's not a whole lot of superannuation sitting out there in traditional um, unlisted funds, of which which there is still. So yeah, we do track managed funds, and so um, we um, um, basically have data sets that go back to the inception date of all the managed funds in Australia. We have daily unit prices, and just as importantly, we have the distribution information as well. And so you can go back in time, and you can actually find you know my um, you know Platinum International dot 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 on this platform, and you can put it into ShareSite, and then we'll. We'll combine that into your portfolio and track that for you, just like anything else as well. And um, in addition to the managed funds, we also um, allow customers to create what we call custom investments, which is essentially a really flexible framework that you can enter in really any asset type into. Now, for example, mm-hmm. if you have a uh, term deposit, um, these things are not, there's no such thing as a, a data feed necessarily that you know takes um term deposit information from banks and, and makes that accessible to, you know, users, if you will, in, in the tech mm. term. And so what we allow customers to do is, is you can actually go into ShareSite and you can replicate that um, term deposit. You can enter a balance. You can, you can even enter a coupon rate, you know, so what it's paying you, how often it pays you, and when the, the end of that um, payment cycle is. So we, we, mm. we do allow people to enter in not just listed assets, but, but all manner of, of, of investment types as well. This is pretty cool because the custom, I, f- I feel like the custom investment type could be used for, like you said, unlisted. So things like property, for example, or if you invest in a company as long like a private company, if you know your entry point, yeah. um, if you've received any income at the time, yeah. et cetera, you can track all that and you can get a complete picture, like a 360 yeah. degree. So, um, yeah, so I've got, cool. site. I, I've got an investment property, I've got it tracking in there. Um, I've entered the um, just the rent to come in on a regular basis, um, and I also have my own share site holding in there as well. And I've set that up as just a private oh, equity cool. custom investment. And when we update our price, I just simply update the price and um, track that just just as I would anything else. So you're like a really holistic net wealth kind of tracker, which is pretty cool exactly. as well. Yeah. yeah, sweet. Okay, mate. So um, we'll have links in the show notes for how people can join share site. Um, you can you can join for free if your portfolio is under a certain number of holdings, and it just gives you a way to test it out and set up the 
the linkage between your portfolios and ShareSite, which is a great way to get started, learn the features, et cetera. So check that out. It's all in the show notes. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to um, pick your brain on is um, you mentioned like ETFs there. It's just to understand how are investors investing, basically, from what you can see, um, which is the real portfolios on the other side of the table. I'm looking for just high-level insights here at first, mate. So in particular, the mix between funds or ETFs included in that and direct stocks, how that's evolving. So maybe just let's just start there. How is how is that playing out over the, the 10 years that you've been following this stuff? How is that playing out? Sure. Yeah, it's it's actually quite interesting. So we're probably a bit um, biased in our uh, in the data we represent back um, in conversations like this, only because you know the company is called ShareSite, and so people do turn to it uh, for shares <laughs> by necessity. Yeah. And there's also something that's quite you know congruent about wanting to take an active interest in tracking how you're going and you know picking mm. stocks as well. So um, there's a bit of bias in, in, in our data just from that standpoint. But I will say that when I joined ShareSite, um, it was a pretty boring list of <laughs> most common, commonly held investments. I mean, it was, this was like 2013. Um, you know, it was, it was all the big banks, it was all the big miners, and it was very little technology represented, um, in our kind of our top 20 or top 10, um, holdings that we, that we report on. Um, it was also reflective of a time when we were much smaller and our, mm. a lot of our business was actually still coming from our home country of New Zealand, which is sort of, you know, like Australia, but, but in miniature. Um, and, and especially for me as an American who, you know, you don't realize sort of the depth and the breadth of the market in the States until you actually kind of mm. work outside of it in, in financial services. And, um, you know, the U S market, um, you know, has, has many more sort of sectors and opportunities, but yeah, 10 years ago, it was, it was pretty boring. Um, you know, it's exciting when like, you know, Woodside would overtake Macquarie. That was a big, that was a big month, you know? Um, but, uh, but since then, and I'll, and I'll give the ASX credit for this. I mean, they really have developed the tech sector in particular, um, you know, in terms of new companies and IPOs and, and whatnot. So we've seen two things happen in, in those, that 10 year timeframe. One is the proliferation of tech in our, in our top 20 lists as a, as a commonly, bought or sold security for investors using ShareSite. And the other one is the, the rise of ETFs. And um, I remember when I interviewed for my first job, it was actually an internship with, with Morningstar. And this was mm. 2002 or three. Um, common thing in the States, you, you get an internship and then you kind of work your way into a full-time role from there. And I remember I spoke to somebody at the company and, and what he told me was like, go to our website and read everything you can on ETFs because they are the future. And that was quite telling because Morningstar, especially in the U.S., was all about mutual funds. It's the, the star rating and the recommendations and all that were only about mutual funds. It was basically like if you think of mutual funds, you think of Morningstar. And they mm. shifted away because they saw this trend uh, beginning to happen with the rise of ETFs. And um, it took a bit more time for that to um, come to Australia. I think some of that was structural given you know the, the size of the superannuation industry and the structure um, therein. But when I joined ShareSite, I think like two or three percent of our customer base owned an ETF, um, and now that number is—I think it's north of twenty percent—and that depends on kind of what type of customer we're talking hmm. about. But you know, they're so flexible; they're like Swiss Army knives, right? Like you can, if you're an experienced investor, you can use an ETF to get exposure to some kind of esoteric asset class. 
Uh, you can use a core satellite approach. And then on the flip side, if you're a new investor, you know, you can, you can use those as really a nice way to begin your investment journey uh, as well. Mm. So yeah, I would say tech and ETFs are two of the things we've seen develop over time um, amongst customers who share site. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was, um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I was looking at the top 20 ASX trades and this was for uh, FY22, 23. And I'll just rattle off some of the names that people know. I'm going to go in order of what I've, what I've seen on the, the share site data, which is the Vanguard Australian Shares Index Fund, so VAS, the VGS, which is the Vanguard International Shares, Pilbara Minerals, BHP, Woodside, because there was a bit of, there was a lot of action there in the last year. Uh, last two years in particular, um, Beta shares NASDAQ 100, the iShares S&P 500, Macquarie Westpac A200, which is the Australia 200 ETF, ANZ CBA Fortescue NAB. Then there's the VDHG ETF, um, which is the diversified one. Uh, CSL Whitehaven Coal, which obviously had a blinder for the last two years. The VTS ETF, which is the US total market, VHY, Aussie dividends, of course, and rounding out the top 20 is AFI, the Australian Foundation Investment Company. That's the LIC. So that's the most popular LIC. Yeah. And what's really interesting is from the data that I'm seeing, it's like how some of these ETFs are dealing in terms of the asymmetry. So you you report buys and sells, obviously, because that's what you see. But when we look at the, the ETFs, like those broad-based ETFs, how lopsided they are towards buys. Mm. Like, you'd expect that because so many people are using them as that core portfolio and they're just dollar cost averaging straight into those big ETFs. And um, personally from where I sit, to, to echo the, the sentiment of um, the really prophetic person that you had at uh, Morningstar in the 2000s, I feel like it's still something when we look forward, it's still something that we can look at and say, this is doesn't seem like it's going away. It mm. seems like this is an emerging trend. Um, yeah. and, and that's even in your data, which you said rightly does skew to share investors who are picking individual stocks. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's actually, um, whenever I'm having a sort of a, a dark day or I'm feeling gloomy about the markets, I do tend to look at our top 20 because we do this by month <laughs> and by year and, and whatnot. Yeah. But like, it does show you that people are still committed. They still believe in capital markets. And, um, and I think in the <laughs> 10 years that I've been with ShareSite, there was only one consistent period where the sales outweighed the buys. And that was really when COVID hit our shores here in Australia, which was a bit, you know, a couple of months after it was, it started to really spread elsewhere around the world. Um, and uh, if you go to our blog, you can find this, but the, the orange tilt was much bigger than the yellow tilt. But outside of that, say, you know, two month period when the world was, was pretty scary, um, People do tend to be yeah, buying and holding for the long term and using that dollar cost averaging, as you say. In fact, just looking down that list that you rattled off, we may have to start filtering out the ETFs from the other stuff because it's getting kind of boring when you just look at a, a list of really big ETFs. It's like, yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there's like things like Pilbara and all those in there, which um, yeah. you would understand why those are bigger parts of portfolio, why people are turning their attention to them when they perform so well. 
Um, one other thing that I wanted to touch on quickly was cryptocurrencies. And mm. this is a really polarizing thing, um, not just in our community, in every investment community. You, you guys can track, I think, eight of the most popular um, cryptocurrencies. Like, how, do you, how are more you seeing that, those? It's more like 20 or 30. Sorry. To, uh, oh, right. To okay. Yeah. Yeah, we just we added more based on demand, which is probably something worth noting. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So, in, do you have any insights there around like how people are allocating to those? Yeah. So, um, what we've seen with crypto is we saw a steady drumbeat of uh, requests from customers leading up to 2020. So, beginning mm -hmm. beginning about 2019, um, we saw people. Um, really starting to, to, to bang the table for us to support um, cryptocurrencies. And so we did. We added in um, those eight that you mentioned um, from a data provider. Um, and what we saw was essentially um, Bitcoin was the only one that was used. Um, and I have a feeling we don't necessarily verify or even want to or intend to verify the whether or not someone actually owns what they track on ShareSite. I mean, the assumption yeah. is, is that you, know, you do. But... I think personally, and this is more of a, an anecdotal feeling, that a lot of people were just doing that as a curiosity. They, were, they wanted to you know, create an extra portfolio and put something like Bitcoin um, right. into it just to see how it was tracking. Um, and, and, and that actually grew and grew and grew over time. And then all of a sudden, during the, the mania of 2020, uh, we had a very, very vocal minority of people asking us to kind of keep going, add more feeds and whatnot. And we did. We added um, some more coins to our universe. And what we've seen is like, you know, everyone thought that crypto was dead and then it's come back and crypto is dead and it's come back. Now we, we've still seen it. It's, still, it's, it's pretty persistent. But in terms of like how it's prol proliferated amongst our user base, I mean, I think it's like sub 1% of our customer base um, are actually tracking what we consider a bona fide crypto investment. And then of that, it's it's a pretty small um exposure in terms of the overall mm. dollar amount we're talking about amongst customer mm. portfolios. Yeah, which is kind of what I expected. Um, there is a lot of noise around it, but um, it's it's quite interesting um, to me just to see how that has played out through the market cycle, as you mentioned. Um, just to, I just want to quickly, before I ask about individual investor portfolios, just uh, to recap the top 10, say, of the US trades that are going through ShareSite, we've got Tesla, Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, but the S&P 500 from Vanguard, um, Amazon, Meta, Alphabet, uh, Palantir, PayPal. Uh, and the list goes on and it gets probably more diversified from that point on because we see people outside of big tech and whatever. But um, Palantir was one that really just stood out to me. I was like, oh, I did not expect that to be so high uh, in the league table, so to speak. Um, my question for you around individual investor portfolios, uh, and feel free to cut this up however you want, mate, mm. is what is a typical investor whether you want to say it's Australia, globally, however you want to frame it, what does a typical investor look like in terms of their portfolio composition? Sure. Yeah. Um, so our typical investor is kind of uh, concentrated in two camps. We have um, the customers who opt to purchase our premium plans. Um, they tend to be, I, I don't necessarily like using the word sophisticated because that sort of implies smart mm. or dumb. But these people tend to be people who have experience in the stock market, they tend to track uh, at least two portfolios. 
and they do have um, pretty good size um, investment portfolios, um, all up above a million dollars if you combine the entities. And then we have another concentration um, on our free plan. So we have a freemium model where you can use the, the entry-level plan for free forever. Uh, there are certain limitations in it, but it is genuinely valuable for people who are just getting started mm. in the market. Um, and what we see there is sort of a different level of concentration and sort of usage. But amongst our um, kind of our, our more premium customers or the people that are on our premium plans, what we see is we see the average investor tracks two or three entities, the number's like 2.5. Um, they maintain about 27 open positions at any one time in their portfolio. So they're tracking 27 things, if you like. Mm. Uh, and they make, I think it's around 35 trades per year. So it's pretty active. Um, but not, you know, any kind of uh, day trading or kind of high frequency trader sort of activity. Um, and that's typically what um, what our customers look like who are opting to purchase ShareSite. The other interesting thing is that 20% ETF number is still representative in that group. And um, we do see a very international style of investing as well. Uh, so you'll see upwards of 30 to 40% of those investors investing overseas, uh, predominantly in the US market. And if they're not getting the exposure directly, to U.S. stocks, they're doing so through local ETFs that track uh, U.S. markets. Um, down on the on the free end as well, we see um, more of a propensity for ETFs, which makes sense for beginner investors, and we also see very heavy tech bias in those portfolios as well. So, Tesla is still a name that just kind of won't go away. It's um, it, it's been there throughout the craziness of 2020, and it's uh, it's still there today. Yeah, it's really interesting that uh, amongst this the experienced investor cohort that I think you said 30 to 40% linked to overseas investing, which is huge because you only need to go back, say, 10 years, like when you started with Chessite, that number presumably for the overall investor community in Australia would have been a lot lower. Like I think I remember reading an ASX investor study uh, from maybe 2014 or something like this where it showed I think it was less than 10% of investors weren't actively investing outside of Australia. So that real home yeah. country bias, which we've learned about. Um, whereas in the, the more experienced camp, people are obviously recognizing, hey, I need to look abroad for certain things, which is, that's quite telling, I think, around the sophistication. We don't want to use that word too much, but the sophistication of um, investment portfolios as time goes on. Um, yeah. And they get caught up in that, um, that kind of more affluent group that you have. Yeah, that number was pretty stubborn earlier on at ShareSite. It was, I think it was 11% is the number of, right. of exposure to overseas. Um, interestingly, it was very high amongst our original user base of just uh, New Zealand-based investors because they were all <laughs> investing internationally in Australia. So that's, yep, sure. that, yeah. that was a bit of an anomaly. But yeah, it was a pretty low number for a long time. And I think, I mean, two things are, are true there. I think there's, there's the franking credit system, which is still a wonderful tool for investors and keeps people at home. Um, the Aussie market's just genuinely done really well over the last 10 years. Mm. Um, and the other thing too was access to international brokerage. I mean, it was like, you know, 10 yeah, years true. ago, only the big banks offered, um, you know, international trading and, and it was like a hundred bucks a trade, you know, on some yeah. of those guys. So uh, with all the new brokers who've come out now, they've really tipped that, um, you know, towards, towards the international markets. Mm. How about in terms of, I don't know if you get this type of granularity, I'm sure you would, but maybe it's not something you have on the top of your head. How about in terms of investors who actually track a portfolio? Does, is that mandatory inside ShareSite to have a benchmark 
But you know, uh, it's not mandatory. Um, but a good, I think it's about forty percent of our customers do. In terms of like software feature usage, just to geek out on you a bit, forty percent usage is really high for any particular feature. Um, right. And um, yeah, so it's it's one of my favorite features because what we do for our benchmarking, um, we don't just whack a, a you know ASX two hundred you know daily price chart on there. We actually go back in time. We assume that you have invested the same amount of money in the benchmark as is in your real portfolio. And then we track that um, just as you would have invested over time. So it shows a genuine comparative benchmark or, or, or even think of it as a genuine alternative investment strategy to, to your decisions as an investor. Um, so it's, it's really useful. And you can, you can benchmark your portfolio against anything in our database. So. I like to kind of explain our benchmarking almost as sort of a plan B scenario for your, for your portfolio. You know, if I, yeah. if I hadn't have made those decisions as a, as a fund manager, um, what would my portfolio would have done if I put it in something like a, a Vanguard diversified ETF, which I personally use uh, as a benchmark, no, no plug for Vanguard intended there, but yeah. um, it's, it's a really high quality multi-sector ETF that is kind of a balanced. I mean, there's a few of them, but it's sort of a balanced portfolio. And that's kind of, for me, that's like my autopilot alternative <laughs> as an investor. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great thing is that the ability to have a benchmark that's not just the ASX 200 or like the S&P 500, because a lot of people would go, you know, I've heard this a hundred thousand times is um, why don't I just invest all in stocks? Well, the reality is a lot of people that's not suitable for, and they don't know what is a you know, that's the thing that gets read out in the news every day is the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or the ASX 200. So they think that is the most appropriate benchmark. But if you're not investing in a high risk way, it's not appropriate, right? So the ability to have an intelligent benchmark is really important. Even, 100%. Is, yeah. Is it possible? I don't know if this is this is my just technical brain ticking over. Is it possible to set a fi fixed benchmark or is that probably not wor really worth it? We are keen to do that. So we want to allow our customers to actually build their own benchmarks. Um, because as you say, oh. um, unless you can find um, a structured product like an ETF that tracks kind of what you want to achieve as an investor, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to do that. So yeah, benchmark creation mm. is something that we're actually putting some thought into right now. Um, mm. Cool. Yeah, just to make cool. it more um, more user friendly and, and more applicable to kind of what your outcomes are. I mean, yeah, one of the biggest tr uh, trends happening in financial services is the transition from you know growth uh, growth assets to then retirement or drawdown assets, right? I mean, people are living yeah. so much longer, and the entire financial services world was never intended to kind of you know draw money down or or, or produce um, you know uh, enough yield. Uh, in, in portfolios to to help you know track along people living to to be a hundred years old. So mm. it's always about growing assets whilst you're working, and uh, and you know yeah. sort of retiring at sixty five and, and dying at seventy five. Well, that's that's no longer happening. So um, <laughs> yeah, bottom left to top right. Sometimes the, the curve needs to bend the other way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just to round out the conversation that uh, we've got um, all the links in the show notes to share site, but also to the the top 20 uh, trades in the US stocks, uh, ASX stocks, uh, all that sort of stuff. So you can go and check out um, the, the notifications. I think you can subscribe for notifications as well. So uh, that's all available in the show notes in your podcast player. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, just in the description below. Um, and people can get started with a free plan or a paid plan. Um, what's the pricing off the top of your head? Again, just catching yeah. off guard here for, for no, no, Aussie fine, investors. Uh, so our free plan is free. That's only up to 10 holdings. 
Um, mm-hmm. The starter plan begins at $19 per month if you purchase it annually. You can go month to month as well if you'd like. The investor plan is $29 uh, per month and the expert is $49 per month. Um, and they all allow different levels of, of portfolios and different report availability and, and whatnot. But um, I always tell people that if you're thinking about it, just give it a go, sign up, hang out on the free plan. Any data you put in is, it, it's, I don't like saying this, but it's not real. You can kick the tires as much as you want. So mm-hmm. go ahead and connect it to your broker, bring in a bunch of data, have a play with it, um, delete it, do it again, add some stuff manually, upload a spreadsheet. It's a really flexible platform. Um, by design, because it's actually quite mm. difficult for people to, you know, organize their investment information. So, yeah, give it a go and um, uh, and see if it's right for you. I think the um, the investor plan, which is the kind of the second tier, top tier one, that's really cool because you can actually have different portfolios. Um, mm-hmm. So, say for example, this is maybe not so much appropriate for our investors podcast audience here, who are already typically investing actively, but. Um, for our, the other side of our business, which is more the, the getting started investing style crowd, um, a lot of people want to make the leap from like just ETFs into active funds or into individual stocks. And because you can have custom, like you have separate portfolios, you can actually track what your portfolio might look like if you manually input, hey, if I did buy, I don't know, zero at this share price, what would it be worth now? Uh, if I did buy Apple at this price and sold it then and then bought it here, what would have happened? Um, which is pretty cool. So Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of hypothetical um, sort of investor education use cases for ShareSide as well. So yeah, mm. Mm, cool. Well, Doug, I really appreciate you taking some some time out of your day uh, in the in the office and uh, joining me and everyone listening to the Australian Investors Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Owen. Appreciate it. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.